Welcome to the Car Time Stories podcast, where imagination soars and every tale is an adventure worth remembering. Today, we're embarking on a Halloween-slash-Thanksgiving escapade with a talking pumpkin named Pipkin, two inquisitive children, and a sprinkle of brownie magic. So fasten your seatbelts, dear listeners, and prepare to be captivated by the whimsical tale of Pipkin's pumpkin predicament. And yes, I couldn't resist the alliterative allure of the triple P's. Pipkin the Pumpkin by Dave Fox In the quaint, fog-laden village of Eldertown, amidst the vibrant hues of autumn, there resided a pumpkin named Pipkin. Unlike his commonplace companions in the pumpkin patch, Pipkin possessed an extraordinary ability. He could converse, reason, and most notably, mastermind. His vibrant orange skin concealed a mischievous mind, teeming with cunning schemes that far surpassed the comprehension of an ordinary gourd. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting an eerie glow over Eldertown, families flocked to the local pumpkin patch, their excitement palpable as they sought the perfect gourd to transform into a grinning jack-o'-lantern. Among the throng stood Pipkin, his aspirations far beyond the typical Halloween fate that awaited him. Observing a troublesome child wielding a stick, gleefully batting his pumpkin companions, Pipkin decided it was time to seize control of his destiny. The prospect of being gutted, carved and transformed into a grinning jack-o'-lantern was far from appealing to the chatty pumpkin. When the inquisitive Winkle family ventured down his aisle, Pipkin saw an opportunity. With a surge of courage, he addressed the children in a friendly tone, his voice resonating with a hint of magic. Greetings, little ones. I'm Pipkin, the pumpkin. Unlike my silent companions in this patch, I possess the extraordinary ability to speak. Wow! exclaimed Timmy, his eyes wide with astonishment. Did that pumpkin just talk? questioned Lily, her voice laced with disbelief. Indeed I did, replied Pipkin, nodding sagely. If you persuade your parents to bring me home, I'll share the secret of Halloween with you. Mom! Lily called out excitedly, her voice echoing through the pumpkin patch. Dad! echoed Timmy, his enthusiasm infectious. We want this one! Approaching the intriguing pumpkin, the Winkle parents exchanged glances, a hint of scepticism clouding their faces. Are you sure about this? the mother inquired, her voice laced with caution. It seems a bit small, added the father, eyeing Pipkin critically. But it talks! Lily insisted, her voice unwavering. Really? Timmy confirmed with an eager nod his eyes fixed on Pipkin. The parents exchanged glances and looked down at the seemingly ordinary pumpkin, anticipating a sign of the promised speech or movement. However, Pipkin remained still, silent and unassuming. The father looked at the mother, his expression unreadable. Well, if this is the pumpkin you want, then this is the pumpkin you'll get, the mother concluded with a smile, giving in to the children's enthusiasm. Fortune smiled upon Pipkin that fateful night when a benevolent family selected him as the centrepiece for their Halloween celebrations. However cognizant that his future was far from certain, Pipkin engaged in a lively conversation with the children during the journey home. 
You promised to tell us the secret of Halloween if we picked you, Timmy reminded Pipkin, his voice laced with anticipation. Indeed I did, young man, replied Pipkin, his tone reassuring. Please tell us, Pipkin, implored Lily, her eyes wide with eagerness. Well, few know this, but there's a secret to not getting scared, stated Pipkin, his voice filled with wisdom. There is, asked Lily in wonder. Do you often get scared during Halloween, sweet Lily? Pipkin inquired, his gaze gentle. Well, sure, answered Lily hesitantly. When someone is wearing a scary costume or... Her voice trailed away. What? asked Pipkin encouragingly. You can tell me. Or the boogeyman under the bed comes out in the middle of the night, she confessed, her voice trembling slightly. Daddy says there's no one under my bed, but I know he's lurking under there and sometimes shakes my bed. And how about you, Timmy? asked Pipkin, turning his attention to the boy. Nah, Timmy shook his head confidently. Nothing scares me on Halloween. Now, Timmy, you can be honest with me, encouraged Pipkin, his voice gentle. Tell him, Timmy. Maybe Pipkin can make it go away, added Lily, her voice hopeful. Well, sometimes, started Timmy cautiously. There's someone tapping on my window asking to come in, but I know it's just the tree branches or something in the wind, he said bravely. Maybe not, grimaced Pipkin. The undead have a habit of visiting young children at night, but they must be invited in. You haven't ever invited one in, have you? asked Pipkin. Heavens no! exclaimed Timmy, his voice filled with horror. That's good, nodded Pipkin, his tone reassuring. Well, I have good news, and even better news. Lily and Timmy leaned in intently, their eyes wide with curiosity. Well, the secret of Halloween is that all your nightmares and fears are erased if you spare the life of the pumpkin on Halloween, assured Pipkin, his voice filled with conviction. That's not true, Timmy said, shaking his head, his scepticism evident. Let me ask you, have you always carved a pumpkin on Halloween? Sure, loads of times, said Timmy happily, his memory flooding with past Halloween traditions. And has the boogeyman always come out at night, Lily? asked Pipkin, his gaze directed towards the girl. Yes, she said, ashamed, her voice barely a whisper. And has the tapping always happened on Halloween, Timmy? asked Pipkin, returning his attention to the boy. Yes, nodded Timmy, his expression clouded with worry. Well, tonight, if you spare me, the boogeyman will be kept at bay, he said towards Lily before turning to Timmy. And the undead will not tap at your window tonight. And as a reward, I will become the most delicious pumpkin pie you will ever have tasted on Thanksgiving. Really? asked Timmy, his eyes widening in delight. I love pumpkin pie, exclaimed Lily her enthusiasm infectious. That's the secret of Halloween, my dears, finished Pipkin, his voice filled with a hint of triumph. Mom, screamed Lily, her voice echoing through the car. Dad, screamed Timmy, his voice filled with urgency. The Winkle children, Timmy and Lily, pleaded with their parents to spare Pipkin from the carver's blade. Mr. and Mrs. Winkle, moved by their children's impassioned pleas, decided to grant Pipkin a temporary reprieve. 
With excitement, Pipkin waited patiently in the Winkle's cosy kitchen for the weeks to pass. However, he knew that his destiny was not yet secured. Determined to avoid becoming a holiday dessert, Pipkin hatched a cunning plan. Being well-versed in the magical creatures of Eldertown, Pipkin sought the assistance of the mischievous brownies, tiny, sprightly fairies known for their love of pranks. With a mischievous twinkle in his eye, he approached their leader, a diminutive brownie named Bramble, who was known for his clever wit and penchant for mischief. Greetings, Bramble, Pipkin began, his voice brimming with charm. I've heard tales of your brownie's unparalleled talent for creating chaos, and I, a humble pumpkin with a predicament, seek your assistance. Bramble, intrigued by Pipkin's proposition, raised an eyebrow. His curiosity piqued. What predicament could a pumpkin possibly face? He inquired, his voice laced with amusement. Ah, Pipkin sighed dramatically. I find myself in danger of becoming a mere Thanksgiving pie, my pumpkin life cut short by the carver's blade. But I have a plan, a daring scheme, and I believe your brownies are the perfect accomplices. Bramble's eyes sparkled with delight. A daring scheme, you say? He echoed, his voice filled with anticipation. Do tell, and perhaps we can strike a bargain. Pipkin, relishing the moment, proceeded to lay out his plan, explaining how the brownies could help him avoid his culinary fate. Bramble listened intently, his mind already racing with possibilities. I like the sound of your plan, he declared, his voice filled with mischief. But a brownie's work is never free. What do you have to offer in exchange for our services? Pipkin, ever the negotiator, smiled slyly. I promise you the most delightful chocolate brownies you've ever had, he assured Bramble. Brownies so delectable, so irresistible, that your taste buds will sing joyfully. Bramble, his sweet tooth tickled, couldn't resist the temptation. Brownies for the brownies, a sweet deal indeed, he declared, extending his tiny hand for Pipkin to shake. Consider your pumpkin life spared. And so... With a mischievous grin, Pipkin and Bramble sealed their agreement, their partnership destined to forever alter the course of the Winkle's festivities. As Thanksgiving approached, the Winkle family gathered in the kitchen to fulfil their promise of a pumpkin pie. Little did they know that Pipkin had enlisted the help of his diminutive friends. The mischievous brownies, invisible to human eyes, began their antics they tipped over flour canisters, switched salt with sugar, and rearranged the recipe cards. The kitchen was soon in chaos as the Winkles struggled to find the right ingredients and untangle the culinary confusion wrought by the unseen hands of the brownies. Pipkin, hidden in the corner, couldn't contain his silent laughter. The brownies were true to their word, creating enough distractions to prevent the Winkles from ever getting around to turning him into a pie. Thanksgiving Day passed, and still intact and uncarved, Pipkin basked in the warmth of the Winkles' home. As the family savoured their Thanksgiving feast, Pipkin couldn't help but exchange a knowing glance with the mischievous brownies. Together, they had outwitted fate and turned a potentially harrowing holiday into a tale of pumpkin triumph and kitchen chaos. And so, Pipkin, the talking pumpkin, became an integral part of the Winkle family, a cherished companion and protector to Lily and Timmy. The boogeyman and the tappy-tap-tap -tap of undead never dared to venture near the Winkle children again.
Pipkin's gratitude for his pint-sized accomplices knew no bounds and their friendship became a cherished part of Eldertown folklore. As the years passed, Pipkin's tale transformed into a beloved Eldertown legend, a heartwarming reminder that even the most unlikely heroes can outsmart destiny, negotiate positive outcomes and create their own happily ever after. In our second story, we we delve into a tale of unlikely alliances, where cats and squirrels, despite their age-old rivalry, must put aside their differences to face a common threat when a series of mysterious garbage bag break-ins has shattered their once stable equilibrium. Skunk versus Squirrel by Laird Long An uneasy truce had existed between the neighbourhood cats and squirrels for over half a year, a long time in both feline and rodent years but that peaceful coexistence was shattered with a powerful meow one fine sunny morning. When Skunk the Cat was rolling around on his back on the dusty stone patio of his dwelling place, and Muffins, the next-door neighbour cat, dashed around the corner of the house and blurted, Another garbage bag was trashed last night. Mr Anders is blaming cats. Skunk leapt to his paws, surprised both by Muffins' sudden appearance, and the gist of the grey tabby's yowling. He shook some of the dust off his fluffed fur, then hissed, What? Mr. Anders' garbage bag was clawed open and trash strewn all over his driveway. Muffins gasped, and I heard him tell his neighbour, Ms. Braun, that he was, Muffins gulped, going to set out a, ah, uh, a cat trap to snare the culprit. Muffins' big blue eyes beamed moon-like, in her furry striped face, her whiskers twitching with anxiety. Skunk laid a comforting paw over Muffin's paw, the black-and-white tuxedo cat quickly regaining the composure that went with his coloration. Mr. Anders is a dog person, isn't he? Skunk mused. Has a Dalmatian. Still, the man's natural bias against felines couldn't tidy up the fact that this was the third reported trashing in the past week. The contents of Mrs. Granger's garbage bags had been scattered all over the back lane five days earlier, revealing the fact that the rotund woman had been dining on weight-conscious pre-packaged meals with decidedly limited results, adding insult to sacked injury. And then, just two days previous, the young couple who lived in the funky greenhouse on the corner had also become victims of the garbage ripper. Half-finished containers of tofu had littered the curbside, left half-finished. Skunk absently lifted his paw off Muffin's paw and licked it, rubbed it repeatedly over his head, clearing dust and cobwebs. Muffins smacked a helpful pad down onto Skunk's back, making both the dust and the cat jump. Okay, Skunk said. We know cats aren't behind this rash of trash break-ins. Everyone agreed to lay off the junked food a year ago after Stripes garbaged up and was sick for an entire hour. So, who could it be? It couldn't be dogs, could it? Muffins mewled. They're leashed, not allowed to run loose, right? Skunk nodded. Let's prowl and meow, he said. It was the feline equivalent of the walk and talk. The two cats ambled across the neatly trimmed green grass of the backyard, slipped through the cracked-open gate on the steel-wire fence that bordered the back of the property and pussy-footed out into the back lane. OK, Skunk said.
padding down the sun-drenched asphalt lane with Muffins at his side. Who likes tearing into garbage, eating it? Muffins' eyes narrowed. Raccoons, she hissed. Those masked bandits will steal. There hasn't been one of those nocturnal raiders spotted in this neighborhood in years, Skunk interrupted. Goats? You're kidding, right? Bears? They'd be noticed. Beavers? They like wood, not waste. Bunnies? Rough age, not refuse. Muffins and Skunk instinctively lifted their wet, black noses and sniffed the air as they passed a pair of aluminium garbage cans. Then, suddenly, something fell out of the clear blue sky and conked Skunk on the head. The round, brown object bounced off the cat's cranium and pattered down onto the pavement. The two cats leapt to a stop, their backs arching and fur bristling. They watched the hard-shelled beanball roll lopsidedly away down the lane. Am I nuts, or did you just get bonked with an acorn skunk? Muffins yelped. Two pairs of cat's eyes rolled upwards. They spotted the nutchucker high up on the branch of an oak tree that overshadowed that part of the back lane. Squirrel! Muffins gasped. Yes, squirrels, Skunk agreed, the acorn jarring his thinking processes. The fluffy-tailed tree rats are using their tiny, clawed paws to tear into garbage and toss it all about, taking what they need back to their tree houses. It all makes sense. The cats glared up at the squirrel with slitted pupils. The squirrel looked down at them with beady, bright eyes, chattering happily away, its bushy tail twitching with delight, its clever paws washing together with satisfaction. The animosity between cat and squirrel had returned. Muffins streaked off down the back lane to spread the word. And ten minutes later, it was all over the neighborhood cat population like a bad case of mange. The squirrels were out to trash the cats. The uneasy truce between tree rodents and ground felines was broken. It got ugly quickly. Tiki the snowshoe Siamese chased two squirrels off a front lawn and up a tree, got stuck there herself for hours, while Pumpkin the puffy orange tomcat was hit by a shower of acorns as he was out for a slink in the small woods that bordered the neighborhood. A whole gang of squirrels jumped up and down on a tree branch, shaking the nutstorm loose on the unsuspecting cat down below. All day long squirrels chattered away incessantly in trees, disturbing cats from their much-needed catnaps. And then, all night long, cats clambered onto backyard fences and screeched out a catcophony of noise, disrupting squirrel sleep. Driving the cats nuts, the squirrels even more squirrely. Furry red and brown and grey heads popped out of tree bowl holes and angrily shook tiny paws while furry faces of all colours, mismatched and otherwise, bared white fangs and pink tongues and hissed right back. It was cats versus squirrels all over again, the harmonious neighbourhood balance of nature upended. Until finally Skunk the cat met up with Carl the squirrel two days into the hostilities to hold peace talks and hatch a plan of action. Both sides were already exhausted, and besides, Mel Latchman's garbage had been clawed open just the previous evening, when cats were watching squirrels and squirrels were watching cats. 
You lap lions had it all wrong from the start, Carl chided Skunk. We aren't the ones to blame for the garbage bag bust-ups. Well, you tree huggers didn't have to get all nuts about it, Skunk countered. They glared at one another briefly, saving furry face. Okay, Skunk said. I've got a plan for catching the real culprits. Carl's eyes shifted rapidly left and right, up and down, his nose and tail twitching, paws jumping and rubbing. Count me in, he chattered. The following night, Carl and six other squirrels leapt off a maple branch and landed lightly on Mrs. McIntyre's rooftop. They skittered over the shingles to where Muffins, Skunk, Tiki and Pumpkin were waiting down by the rear eavesdrow. The cats had climbed up onto an overturned tub in the backyard, then onto the fence, then a shed, then finally up onto the roof of the house, dragging a red and green woolen afghan along with them. What's the rug for? Planning a sleepover? Carl jabbered, darting a paw at the rolled-up afghan that rested on top of the eavesdrow. I'll have you know my human companion Alice knitted it for my sleep basket, Muffins stated proudly, her grey fur puffing out. She spent hours. We're going to throw it over the trashers, Skunk explained. Like a net. What? Muffins mewled. My beautiful... You see that plump bag of garbage down there, Skunk said to Carl, pointing a paw down at Mrs. McIntyre's patio. A large, black, bloated plastic bag of garbage could be clearly seen in the moonlight, resting comfortably near the back door of the house. Yeah, Carl replied. We could smell it four trees over. Exactly. Mrs. McIntyre always puts her one big weekly bag of trash out overnight before she drags it down to the curb for pickup in the morning. We cats have already ventilated it with some swipes of our claws to add to its attractiveness. So, when the garbage raiders get a whiff of... Muffins slapped a paw over Skunk's mouth, cutting off his caterwauling. Something was pushing on a pair of boards at the base of the white fence that separated Mrs. McIntyre's property from Mr. Anders next door. The cat and squirrel alliance froze on the rooftop, their glassy eyes focused on the trembling planks, their sensitive ears cocked to the snorting and snuffling and clawing sounds that suddenly filled the night air. Then the whole mob jumped a step backwards on the shingles, when the fence boards broke loose at the bottom and levered upwards with the screeching of rusty nails popping free. A big, black, glistening snout appeared through the opening. Then a big, white, black-spotted head, a pair of floppy black ears, quickly followed by the entire spotted body of Mr. Anders' Dalmatian dice, squirming through the fence and scrambling out onto Mrs. McIntyre's driveway. He'll see my Afghan for sure, Muffins hissed in Skunk's ear, the tabby still hopeful of rescuing her comforter from further abuse. It's so bright. Dogs are colorblind, Skunk hissed back. And not so bright. He'll follow his nose. Dice shook his head and body free of splinters. Then he sniffed the air with his powerful nostrils. His claws rasped on the concrete as he made fast tracks for Mrs. McIntyre's inviting bag of garbage. He tore at it with his paws and teeth. Dogs away! Skunk howled. The cats and squirrels shoved the afghan off the rooftop and over the side of the house, 
The blanket-sized needlework rolled open and briefly blossomed like a parachute, then landed like a net on top of dice and the dog-desecrated bag of garbage. The hound's frantic barking, the squirrel's excited scratching and chattering, and the cat's triumphant meowing quickly brought Mrs. McIntyre to her back door to see what all the commotion was about, as well as Mr. Anders to his side fence. Mrs. McIntyre snapped on her porch light, and the pair gaped at the writhing dog under the afghan with the torn open bag of trash. Dice was caught red-pawed, the dirty dog. Mrs. McIntyre shook her head at Mr. Anders. Mr. Anders hung his head. The cats and squirrels slunk and skittered away, respectively. "'Good to have things back to normal again in the neighbourhood, huh, Carl?' Skunk commented to the squirrel the following morning. Carl nervously bobbed his head up and down, his beady eyes darting all over the place. "'Now, if you cats would just stop using our trees as scratching posts—' Well, Muffins huffed, maybe you squirrels could quit scratching around in our attics and driving us all. Skunk lifted a paw of peace. Let's all remember our real mutual enemy, dogs. I don't need to remind you what they use your precious trees for, do I, Carl? Muffins grinned. Carl scooped up an acorn, rolled it around in his paws, then scooted away. The two natural-born predatory cats had to mightily resist their impulses to chase after the fluffy-tailed rodent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Car Time Stories podcast. Before I let you go, I would like to implore you to rate our podcast and write a brief review. Your help would be greatly appreciated. And finally, please visit cartimestories.com to purchase our premium video content. Until next time, we thank you and hope that you tell your friends about the Car Time Stories podcast, where we strive to fuel young minds one story at a time.